How are you guys? Is everybody okay? He keeps saying tonight, you know why? Because tonight we're having a, uh, the Liberty Encounter night. And uh, essentially he's trying to let everybody know to be there. Because we're going to worship God and we're going to have a, have a party and we're going to believe God for the miraculous. And uh, just believe that, you know, the Spirit of God is alive and wants to touch and change people. And so uh, we're going to do that tonight. So if you had plans, cancel them. And if you didn't have plans, now you have plans. And uh, be there. And, uh, and so it's going to be super cool. And um, it's a real privilege to be here. Um, it's such an honor that Pastor Paul and Andy uh, would have Savannah and I here and uh, just to come and minister to this amazing church, Liberty Church. I think it's a great name for a church because it's what Christ paid for. Amen. <laughs> Freedom is for freedom's sake that we were set free, and so it seems appropriate that we'd be Liberty Church, a free people, free communities who love Jesus and love the world, amen. So it's a real honor to be here. Thank you for having us. Savannah is here, my beautiful wife. Why don't you wave to everybody, love? She, she's doing her best to be African with her head scarf. The, the African people love it when she wears that. So I started to wear one and didn't get the same response. But it's fine. And uh, cool, we're going to pray then. We're just going to believe God for an amazing day. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the privilege it is to be here. Uh, I thank you that you're an amazing, good God who loves his people. And so, Father, we just thank you for your mercy and your grace every day. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you this morning that you're not, the, not a distant emotion or a feeling, but you're the person of the Holy Spirit. You're the power of God in the earth. God, you're the, you're the wisdom and revelation manifest in this planet, God, and if, God, I, I thank you, Holy Spirit, as I, as I bring the word today, that it wouldn't just be words, God, but by your spirit, you'd transform every bit of information to revelation that impacts people's hearts, and when there's a genuine revelation, it produces life transformation, so I thank you for that today, Holy Spirit, we honor you, would you do your thing, would you preach your message, because you are the counselor, you are the teacher, we love you, we honor you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can have your seats. And I feel like I have to talk quiet because it's so echoey in here. Uh, I'll, I'll do, look at all those chairs. Like, shh, is that like a comment? Is that like every week everyone's like, shh, it wasn't me. Like, but everybody's saying it wasn't me. And I don't know. Wow, it's so cool to be in New York City, the Big Apple. Uh, is it still called the Big Apple? Is that a, no, we don't call it that anymore. It's just New York City. That's it. And, uh, and so it's super cool to be here. We are, Savannah and I uh, finished up working at our church in Australia after 11 years, uh, my parents' church back in Brisbane, and uh, felt God ask us to step out. And in fact, we were on our way to move to New York City until I found out it wasn't called the Big Apple, and we said no. Uh, no, 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 and that's not true, but we were. We, we, were, we were about to move to New York City, and, uh, but God actually redirected our steps, and we ended up in South Africa, uh, which is quite similar, I guess, in some form. Um, there's people there, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, so, and so we ended up in South Africa, and uh, it's just been an awesome few months of God doing amazing things. In fact, in the last month, probably more like the last three weeks, we've seen over a thousand people give their lives to Jesus Christ, um, which is unreal like we just we're so excited and we believe it's just the beginning of what God's doing we had a youth conference the other day in in where we're living in South Africa and had to speak with all these teenagers and sometimes we just gotta not just talk about Jesus but demonstrate him as well 
And so he got this young girl up on stage and she had one leg about two inches shorter than the other one. And I said to them, we're gonna grow this leg. And they all went, like you just did. And so we did, we sat her down. I got one of the young girls to come pray with me and we grabbed her legs and I put her up here for everyone to see and I said, leg, grow in the name of Jesus. And that leg just began to grow, 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 grow. And it grew all the way out and God totally healed her in front of all those people. Come on, somebody, <laughs> praise Jesus. It was super awesome because you're just watching it little bit by little bit and you watch the entire audience. They were like, <gasps> And then when it finally got all the way, I was like, there. And they just went, wah. <laughs> it was really cool. Because sometimes like getting praise for God out of Christians is really difficult. <laughs> it's funny, hey, like sometimes it's like, man, God did this. Everyone's like, because it's like, it's, it's super easy to be a part of tradition and religion and not actually believe in the God that we give lip service to. We can warm the pews, pay our tithes, do our dues and tick it off the list each week. Come on, God's not looking for Christians that just come to church on Sunday. He's looking for Christians that give Him their entire life, that they recognize the realities that in Him we live and move and have our being. Come on, does anybody believe it this morning? Come on, does anybody want to praise Jesus? Come on, would you just begin to give Jesus praise this morning? Come on, praise Him like He saved your soul. Praise Him like He set you free from bondage. Come on, somebody at Liberty Church, He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Come on, would you praise the living God? Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that's within me, bless his holy name, who forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases. Bless the Lord. Amen. Come on, we're going to get into the Word of God today, and if we have enough time, we're just going to believe God to touch some people, and we've got about 33 minutes and 49 seconds to go, and so uh, I can do it. Like, I prefer about four hours, but I can do 33 minutes. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, open to the book of Acts with me, the book of Acts 16. And I'm going to read verses 16 all the way through 31. And some of you guys are like, wow, I've not read that much scripture all year. <laughs> so it's about 15 verses, but we're going to be okay. We'll get through it and uh, we'll see what happens. The book of Acts 16, 16 through 31. I think it's going to be on the screen, but we're not sure. And uh, this is what it says. Acts 16, I'm reading out of the NLT version. It says this, One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. I loved that as Paul and Silas were on their way to church, before they even opened their mouth, men and demons knew that they're the ones who serve the God Almighty. And they've come to tell us how to be saved. Their reputation went before them as those who serve God, amen. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. I wanted, wanted you to see that in, in, in Paul and Silas's time, they were preaching customs that were illegal for the Romans to practice. Now, we live 
in America here, and, and, and it's not illegal for you to tell people about Jesus, but I want to tell you, we're living in days where it's not popular, and we're considered bigots, and we're considered small-minded to be followers of Jesus. It may not be illegal, but I want to tell you, we're living in a day where it's going to take some courage to step up and represent Jesus. It's going to take some courage to have some firm beliefs that you stand on to represent Jesus to a broken, hurting world. Amen. It says this, it says, uh, I, uh, uh, they, they're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they did not escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Come on, I love this story because Paul and Silas were out there preaching Jesus, carrying hope, and they were ordered to be stripped and beaten and in fact thrown into prison for it. Like hope is a dangerous weapon, right? Because I'm telling you, the world says don't get your hopes up and the gospel says get them sky high. It says set your mind on things above. You have the mind of Christ. Greater is he that lives in me than he who is in the world. So no matter what I'm going through, if I have Jesus, come on, I'm telling you, we need to get our hopes up and it's a dangerous, wonderful weapon and the enemy hates it. He knows if he can take hope out of Christians, then we have really nothing to give. Come on, I'm telling you, we have to keep our hope up and it's what they carried hope and, and so these guys they caught them they beat them and they walked them past the murderers past the rapists past the pedophiles past the actual criminals and was like put them in the inner dungeon and clamp their feet with stocks clamp them get them in because they know that Christians have a reputation of escaping <laughs> like they know if you lock up a Christian like probably some sort of angel's gonna turn up and rescue them or something's gonna happen. So just put them as far in as we can because they serve of God of the impossible. Don't be silly to think that the enemy is not afraid of who we are. The world is afraid of who we are because they do not know him and they're, 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 they're veiled to the things of Christ. But we have an opportunity to present the hope of the gospel that removes the veil and brings people into freedom. But I'm telling you, you carry a dangerous weapon and the enemy's not happy that you've got it. So if he can keep you silent, then he's doing okay. Our lack of passion for the gospel is the poison that leads people to disbelieve the reality of God. Meaning we can give God lip service, but do we truly live a life that represents who he is and what he's done in us? We have to be passionate about a God who is passionate about us. It was the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. It was his joy to see you and I in New York City in 2017. The very reason he hung on the cross is because he saw you and I. We have to be passionate about the God who is passionate about us, amen. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open and he assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself, but Paul shouted, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. This morning, the title of my message is this, Movement Maniacs. <laughs> Movement Maniacs. And I, I looked up these words to give a bit of context to what I'm trying to say here. And the word movement means this, a group of people working together to share their advanced political, social, or artistic ideas. A movement is a group of people who are rallied around a similar cause or the same cause with motive to advance that shared belief system. I want to tell you, our person is Jesus. He's the Son of God, the Savior of the world. We are a movement of people who are rallied around the name of Jesus Christ, and we have motive to advance that great name into all the earth. The Bible says, subdue the earth. Because we have to take Jesus to the far corners of the world. We need to take Jesus to the far corners of New York City. Come on, I'm telling you, we are a movement rallied around the name of Jesus. The second word was maniac, and it had about three meanings. The first one was this, someone who is violent and mentally ill. The second one is a person who behaves in a very wild way. Or the third is a person who is extremely enthusiastic about something. It's getting a bit better, right? Like we are a movement of people and I believe we need to raise up an army, a generation that are a movement of people who are rallied around the Son of God, His name is Jesus, with motive to advance that shared belief system of the name of Jesus Christ, of Christianity. And we ought to be a little bit enthusiastic about it. Like we might even have to act a little bit wild and some people might even think we're violent and mentally ill, but I would rather be a fool for Christ than wise in this world. Come on, will we get a little bit more undignified than this? Would we recognize that greater is He that lives in me? And although they think I'm crazy, I know they're crazy for not believing in my Jesus. And I get to love them and draw them in by the passion. Come on, I'm telling you, we are movement maniacs. We're rallied around the name of Jesus and we will not be silent about it. We won't sit back and be timid about it, but we'll rise up and say, I believe in Jesus Christ, that He's the Savior of the world. He's the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. And there is no other way to God the Father except through Jesus. Come on, I'm telling you, even if you're watching on live stream, Buddha's not your answer. Muhammad is not your answer. His name is Jesus Christ. And every demon in hell is afraid of that name. And every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ. Come on, do I have any movement maniacs in the house of God this morning? Turn to the person next to you and say, I am the movement. Turn to the other person and say, you are the maniac. <laughs> you know, there's a, um, there's a few things I noticed about this story of Paul and Silas. And the first one, I said it before, is that their reputation preceded them. That as Paul and Silas walked on their way to the place of prayer, they were recognized as those that served the Most High God. Like before they even opened their mouth, they had a reputation that they're the Christians, they're the Christ followers. And I want to tell you, in those days, it was not popular. No one had ripped jeans and cool hats who followed Jesus. Like you weren't fitting in, but they had a reputation as the ones who served the Most High God. My prayer for today's Christians is that we would have a reputation that precedes us. 
that we would have a reputation that goes before us, that when we go to restaurants where we go all the time, that they wouldn't just not know that we're ones who serve Jesus. Like that our reputation would go before us. Like we used to go to this restaurant back home, it was an Indian restaurant. And come on, I'm telling you, the Luke 11, it says, if anyone has a, a lamp and it's lit, why would you put a basket on it so no one could see it? It says, take the basket off and shine the light for all to see. Like we have enough basket-headed Christians. Come on, we need to shine the love and light of Jesus Christ wherever we go. You know, we would go to this restaurant and we would go there all the time. And I, we would buy food and it was the best Indian I could find in Oz. But I want to tell you that they knew that the God that we served. They knew that we were ones who followed Jesus because our life represented every, every time we were there, someone would get prayed for. Every time that we would go there, we would pay them more money. Like we would do whatever it could. You see, this Indian restaurant was a Muslim-run Malaysian Indian restaurant. And their best customers were me and Savannah. <laughs> like, because we would go there all the time. And all, like, so much so that they would give us so much free food. It was awesome. The favor of God was on it, but man, we wanted to love these people. And because they knew who we were, we could walk into that place and without opening our mouth, they would know we're the ones who serve Jesus. Like that was our reputation. And so we, we organized this group of people, about 50 of us, to go there and the food was uh, not like New York City. It was quite decently priced. And we would go there and, 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 and the food was really, and so we got everyone to bring $50. $50 and we, we'd bring it in and, and, and the food cost was about $25. And so I ordered the, the whole restaurant, we, we booked it out and we paid and I thought if we can all give $25, then they're gonna have an awesome night and they, there's gonna be an abundance of food because the gospel's abundant, right? There's no lack in the kingdom. Give me extra curry, extra naan bread. I mean, let's do this. And, and we did, we, we was awesome. We ate, we had this feast, we prayed. About 50 of us held hands in this Muslim restaurant and we prayed before we ate and we glorified God in that restaurant. It was so awesome. And at the end of the night, they'd already been blessed by how kind we cleaned up the whole restaurant to make sure it looked perfect before we left. But then we took the extra $25 per person and in a wad of cash, put it in an envelope and wrote a letter saying, we love you, thank you for being so kind to us and have an amazing Christmas. And it had over $2,000 in that envelope. They were overwhelmed. And so to make it more overwhelming, I then took their FPOS machine. You guys have FPOS? Um, the credit card machine? What do you call that? The swipe, we know where you pay with a credit card. Wow, I took that and I was like, all right, now we're gonna take up an offering. Does anybody else wanna give more money to these people? And they were so awkward and overwhelmed. It was so awesome, we took up another $400. Come on, I'm telling you, the way that we live represents the person that we serve, his name is Jesus. Would we be a people of God that represent Jesus, that our reputation goes before us. When you walk into your workplace, are you known as the guy who's quiet in the corner and, or are you known as the guy who serves Jesus? It's okay to be quiet, but does your life represent the God that you serve? A famous saint called St. Francis of Assisi, he says, preach the gospel at all times using words when necessary. Does your life, do you live out the way that the God that you serve is a reality in your life? Well, the first thing I noticed at Paul and Silas is that men and demons recognized who they are. Come on, do demons recognize who you are? Like, I know demons can be a foreign concept, but they're real. Like, I've seen them in our countries. I've seen them in Australia. I've 
definitely now seen them in Africa. Uh, and, and, but it's like, you know, there's, there's the guys in the Bible and they were like, saw the apostles casting out demons. So they started trying to do it. And then the demon attacked them and they're like, oh my gosh. And he's like, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, but who are you? Like, are we people that don't understand our authority, that demons don't recognize that we're ones who serve the most high God? I want to challenge us as believers. We're in a day where it's getting dark, but we need to shine bright. Rip the basket off. Show the love of Christ. You're not called to condemn the world. You're called to love the world. Those who are in sin, those who don't follow Jesus, the Bible says they're already condemned. We don't need to go and tell them what they already are. We need to go and give them a way out. Jesus didn't come to expose our sin. He came to remove our sin and expose our value as children of God. Come on, somebody. Follow Jesus. The second thing I noticed is that Paul and Silas understood the authority that they carried in the name of Jesus. They were walking and this demon started yelling at them day after day. And it says Paul got so fed up, he was so frustrated, he turned around and he said to the demon within here, that's African, it's Afrikaans. <laughs> and he said to the demon within her, he said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her right now. And the Bible says, instantly it left her. Say instantly. There's a place in the gospel if we recognize the authority that we carry as children of God, that when we command a demon to leave, it has to instantly leave. There's a place where, in the gospel when we pray for the sick, it has to go. We're not waiting for a sovereign move of God. He's given us authority in this earth to heal the sick. The Bible says these signs will follow them who believe. They'll heal the sick, they'll raise the dead, and they'll cast out demons. Not these signs will follow if someone prays and I'll guess and I'll pick or choose as I feel willing. No, he says I'm willing when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Sickness is to the body what sin is to the soul, and both were paid for by the blood of Jesus. We have to start to recognize the authority that we carry. We've been made ambassadors of Christ, those that represent Christ in the earth. We are His hands and His feet. Like I was in England a, a, a few years back, and we, we were preaching this service, and we, at the end, we got to pray for the sick and believe God to heal people, and Come on, I lived as a Christian for a long, long, long time, not believing that God would use me to heal somebody. I lived as a Christian a long time and heard things like, these signs will follow them who believe. And I was like, man, none of that stuff follows my life. And I was challenged if I actually believed in the God that I say that I do. Anyway, we got to pray for this, this lady and these people, so heaps of them, and God was touching and healing people in this beautiful, well, is that someone's time? Like, Joel, your time is done. Like, you finished. No, it's okay. Go for it. Take that one. Um, and, and so we're there, and, and this lady comes up to me after, and she's like, that was an awesome service. She was about 50 years old, and she had a cane. And so we've just been praying for the, the sick to be healed. Are we all right? Everyone's okay? Praying for the sick to be healed, and she has a cane, and she's encouraging me. And so sometimes when you get a bit overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit, you do silly things. And so I said, ma'am, would I pray for you? And she's like, sure. So I prayed for a real quick hand on her back. In Jesus' name, back, be healed. All pain, go right now. And I'm commanding that stuff to go because I've been given authority. Not to beg God to heal it, but to command it to be healed. Because for me to ask God, to beg God to heal somebody is to assume that I have more mercy than he has that I want to see this person healed more than he does. 
And so I command sickness to be healed. You can command sickness to be healed. And I said, be healed. And I took her cane off her. <laughs> and she looked at me and I said, would you just go for a walk for me? And she went for a walk and she came back and all the pain had left her body and she was feeling amazing. And a year later, I spoke to her, to a guy who was from her church and he said, man, that lady was one of my mom's best friends. He said, for 25 years, she's been taking steroid injections to deal with the pain that's caused from her back. She has extreme curvature of the spine. This really, it's an extreme version of scoliosis. She said, but that night she was so overwhelmed that she got home and there was no more pain in her body. So she went to the doctors the next day to get it checked out. Because for 25 years, it's been like pain. I need an injection. And she went there and the doctors did the x-rays and they checked it out and she said, the doctors were so confused. They said, miss, your spine is like as straight as an arrow. She said, it's, in fact, it's like you've been doing posture training for years. Come on, I wanna tell you, things look impossible. Your situation looks impossible, but God is a healer. He is alive, he is not dead. We are not cessationists. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and it's alive today. Come on, I'm telling you, you have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living in you. That means you carry dead raising power. Come on, it's not limited to preachers on a platform. It's not limited to evangelists in Africa. It's the gift, it's the grace, it's the life that everyone who believes gets to live in, that they can see the sick healed, they can see the deaf here, they can see blind eyes open. Come on, if I had time, I would keep telling you story after story of the amazing miracles God has done in the last five years, of ears opening, of skin diseases falling off, and brand new skin being under there. People with self-harm scars, washing them off their arms and they're disappearing under the cloth. Like I'm telling you, we've seen too much cancer being zapped out of people's bodies. We serve a God who is alive and He needs a people who are rallied around the name of Jesus and are a little bit enthusiastic about it and believe that He still heals, that He's a healing God, that He's a healing God, that He is a healing God, and that He paid for it on the cross. Amen. Come on. Movement maniacs, those whose reputation precedes us. Second, that we would understand the power and authority we carry as believers. The third thing is this that Paul and Silas weren't phased by popular opinion. They feared God and not men. I wanna tell you, when you recognize who you are in Christ, when you recognize you've been called a son, you've been called a daughter, you understand that you fear God and not men. Because if you fear men, you can never actually love them. Because you'll be too afraid of what you do offends them. Or if what you do, man, then you, if you need them to love you back, you're never going to be out to actually properly love them. Because love is selfish. Love is not self-seeking. Come on, I'm telling you, man, we have to live in such a way we fear God. We're in reverent awe of the bigness and amazing wonder and, of God so we can actually love people without them needing to love us back. We can love them without condition. Our motive is that they meet Jesus, not that they love us back. I'm not saying we be arrogant. I'm not saying we be stupid and go out there and tell people they're going to hell and go and do all these stupid things in the name of, well, I'm not afraid of men. But I am saying, would you love people? Would you not be phased by what New York City says about certain topics? Would you not be phased about what the people say about Christians? Come on, we, not everyone's gonna like you. 
And that's okay. Because if you've been freed in Christ, you're not affirmed by what they have to say about you. You find your worth, your value, and affirmation in Christ alone. Because in Him, you live and move and have your being. In Him, you have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Then you get to actually love people. It's like even in your marriage, if you live in a needs-based marriage where you need your partner to satisfy you, you need your partner to affirm you, then you're gonna live in such a way if you don't get that affirmation or that satisfaction or that love, then you have a right to be upset. But come on, man, you gave up your rights when you died with Christ. You died with Christ, now you live as Him in this world. That way you get to love your partner. You get to love your spouse without them loving you back. You get to affirm your partner. You get to tell them they're amazing. You get to please them and love them without the need of them loving you back. Come on, I'm telling you, we can't fear men. We can only fear God so we can truly love men. Like, I'm glad we become friends today. But if you don't like me, I'm okay. I am, I'm, I'm gonna be fine. But I prefer that we like each other. <laughs> now, if we, we, we have to rise up, I'm telling you, we're gonna be movement maniacs. And maybe those words are a bit crazy for you, but I wanna tell you, the Bible says we've, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Meaning you didn't get a spirit of fear, but you did get a spirit. And in that spirit, you carry the power of God, you carry the love of God, and you carry the mind of Christ. And I'm telling you, the world needs to know, you carry the hope of the world. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory, meaning you're the hope of the world because you carry Christ. If you have the hope and they need the hope, but we're too afraid to open our mouths and tell somebody about the hope, how are they ever gonna hear about the hope of the world? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How will they hear if we don't preach? How will we preach if we're not sent? Don't wait for somebody to send you. You've been sent by the Great Commission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. Come on, it's the calling, it's the mandate of every believer. It's not limited. Come on, rise up. Would we be a generation walking in a power and authority where our reputation goes before us and that we're not afraid of men so we can truly love men? Like Savannah, she was in a movie theater last year. We went to watch a movie in. I'm not sure about the USA, but in Australia, in the beginning of the movie, if you're there early enough, there's like a soft, gentle pad playing before the announcements start. And if you go to a popular movie, there's gonna be a lot of people there early. And so we were there and there was this soft atmosphere and pad and Savannah looks at me and she says, I'm gonna do an altar call. <laughs> and you know, like, cause faith and courage is not personality. It's really important. Like we can so limit what we can do for God because of our personality. And, that's not okay. We can only limit God to what Christ did, and that's limitless power. It's wonderful. And Savannah, then I said, sweetheart, would you like me to get their attention? And she said, no, I'm fine. <laughs> so she stands up in this movie theater, hundreds of people, loud, talking. She says, excuse me, everybody. <laughs> and this whole theater goes quiet. And she's there, and she says, um, you're here today because you're watch wanting to watch this movie, and it's, it's actually quite a supernatural movie. And I believe you're here watching that because you hunger for something more. And she said, I want to tell you that there's something so much more than what you're living in right now. There's freedom and his name is Jesus. He's a supernatural God. And she used to be in this telling, me and my husband, we get to travel the world and we see miracles after miracles. She said, it's amazing. And she preached the gospel in the front of this whole movie theater. And she said, if anyone needs Jesus, if you want prayer, you want to give your life to Jesus, come see us after the movie theater. 
after the movie. <laughs> I mean, that's wild, right? So we wait, we watch the movie, and at the end of the movie, these two young girls walk up to her and both weeping because they suffer with severe anxiety. And as she began speaking, and then they begin to feel this peace, and like, we knew we had to come see you. And that day she got to pray with them. They met up a couple of days later and those young girls gave their life to Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God to salvation for them who believe. If we live ashamed of the gospel, then we live ashamed of the power, the saving power that people need. Come on, the church can't stay quiet. We don't have to get involved in all the political stuff. We need to love the world. We need to be bold. Your problem in this nation is not the problem. The problem is the lack of reality in Christians' lives being manifest in them and through them. If we would get our eyes off the problem, in Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be added. Come on, take your mind off the things of this world. It's called carnal thinking. It's called human wisdom. And the Bible says it's enmity against God, which means it's warring against God. So take your mind off earthly thinking and set your mind on things above and recognize there's a greater thing at play than what you see. Come on, I'm telling you, we need to not be involved in petty arguments but express the love, hope, and saving power of Jesus Christ. If you become passionate about your Jesus, then you'll be passionate about people. You'll love them, not condemn them. You'll love them, not correct them. And you draw them in, the Holy Spirit will transform them, set them on fire. And come on, we any movement maniacs in the house of God this morning? Come on, one, that our lives would precede us, that our reputation would go before us. Two, as Christians, that we would understand the power and authority we've been given in the name of Jesus. I can't heal the sick. I just believe in Jesus who lives in me who can heal the sick. Three, that we wouldn't fear men, we would fear God so we can truly love men. Paul and Silas were whipped and beaten for their beliefs, for carrying hope, for setting a young lady free from demonic oppression. It doesn't always make sense to the world. They were, they were attacked. They, they said, this, this is illegal in our Roman custom. I said before, it's not illegal in New York City, but it is frowned upon often. The name of Jesus is more offensive than any other name in the world. It just is. And Jesus says, remember, if they hate you, they hated me first. Not that we want to live a life so they hate us, but when we recognize when they hate us, it's because it's the enemy. He's deceitful. He's keeping people blind. And if he can keep Christians' mouths shut because they're afraid of what's happening because they don't understand who they are, he can keep those deaf to the gospel that needs to be preached. How are they here if we don't preach? I'm telling you, we need to take the gospel out of the four walls and into everywhere that we go. I remember praying for a young man on the street in Perth and we were coming back from a conference. The guys took me out for dinner and this guy was there smoking his cigarette. The worship team can come and maybe just the keyboard player. If anyone can come. <laughs> and he was there and I looked at him. I said, man, do you have something wrong with your right shoulder? And he goes, yeah, why? And I was like, watch this. And I took his hand. I said, in Jesus' name, I command this shoulder to be healed right now. It's not a Christian. He's smoking his cigarette. He's been drinking. He's got a whole night ahead of him. And he gets bombarded with the love of Christ. And I said, man, how's your shoulder? And he begins to move it. He's like, what the? <laughs> God healed him. 
We see that happen everywhere we go. We see hundreds of people rising up above personality and preaching the gospel. We head into the most sinful, darkest areas in our nation and we heal the sick and we see thousands weeping in repentance. I'm telling you, because God is alive and He needs His people to recognize it and to get a little bit enthusiastic. In fact, act a little bit wild. And in fact, maybe some people might think you're crazy, but come on, man, I would rather be a fool for Christ than wise in this world because the world needs Jesus. And if I'm the only one that's gonna proclaim Him, then I'll go because I've decided to follow Jesus. Though none come with me, still I will follow. I have decided to follow Jesus. Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. and I didn't have time to finish the entire message because I talked too much. But they were put in prison. They were whipped and they were beaten. But they weren't thinking about tomorrow. They weren't thinking about what they wear and what they eat. The kingdom of God is not food and drink, but it's righteousness, it's peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, meaning you're right with God. Producing peace in your heart. You have peace with God because you've been made right with God. You're not a sinner, you're a son. You've been made right, so you have peace in your heart. And when you have peace that doesn't make sense to the world, no matter what's going on around you, no matter the turmoil, Paul and Silas were in prison. They were there, they'd been whipped, they'd been beaten, they'd been mocked, they'd been abused, but because they were right with God, they had peace in their heart and their external situation didn't define the peace in their heart. And they could be in a place of joy and it says they began to worship God. You see, they could have said, where are you, God? I've been serving you for years. I've been coming to church for years. I've prayed prayers over my kids for years. They're not following you. God, where are you? I've been serving you. My marriage is falling apart. God, where are you? Come on, he, they, they, didn't do, they didn't whinge, complain and moan and set their mind on earthly things. They said, God, we've been made right with you. God, we have peace that the world cannot touch because true peace is not found in what I look like and how I act, but it's a position and a posture in Christ Jesus, the blood paid for and they had peace, and they began to worship God. And it says all the other prisoners began listening as they worshiped. And it says all of a sudden, all of a sudden the prison cell began to shake and the prison doors all flung open. In fact, it said it shook the very foundations of the prison. I wanna tell you the gospel, the grace of God in Jesus Christ is not a band-aid for your problem. It'll rip that, the root right out of that thing if you believe it. If you step into a place of recognizing what He did for you, you won't live like hell all the way to heaven. You'll live in this life, in life more abundantly. That greater is He that lives in me than he who is in the world. That what I'm experiencing might be fact, but I live by faith and faith trumps the fact. I can live in peace even when there's hell all around me. Paul and Silas were set free. In fact, every prisoner in the entire place was set free. When there's worshipers who worship in spirit and truth, when there's worshipers that aren't phased by what's going on around them, they'll be set free. But people who don't even deserve it will get to meet Jesus and be set free as well. Because you once didn't deserve it. The, the guard, he came and he said, look, I don't know what's going on, but what do I need to do to be saved? He said, Paul said, you need to believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you shall be saved. 